everybody. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here along with Jonathan Harrison. And yes, it is hot routes once again. And for those nightly watchers, I think I'm just going to start messing with everybody, Jonathan, and just do a different studio setup every (laughs) night. But we're just calling it progress. And what we're dealing with right now is figuring out how not to make my dome look like the light is just reflecting off of it. And it's still a challenge. So we're working our way through some things, but uh, other than that, a day off for the Vikings, they get into the big practices that we've been talking about since day one against the Tennessee Titans here coming up. And then another preseason game, U S bank stadium football will be back. This is an exciting week. I think for training camp, this is kind of a crescendo of training camp, Jonathan. Absolutely. I mean, this feels like what the old week three of, of preseason where you get to see all of the starters for at least a half. This feels like that because of the way they set it up with the training camp and the, the joint practices and this feeling like the better team of the joint practices than the Arizona Cardinals who are clearly very much in tank mode. This feels like you're going to get a better test and you're going to get a see better competition day in and day out at those practices. So yeah, this feels like a very exciting and big couple days for the Vikings in this training camp. I am calling it moving week because I think that if you are going to change your position on the depth chart, whether that means going from off the 53 to on the 53, or if it goes from second team to first team, or if it goes from first team back to second team, that is going to happen this week. And I do agree that, you know, the Arizona Cardinals uh, practices are not maybe as important. They are. And I'm sure that the team would tell you that's not true, but I think that this being their first opportunity to really go against another team in these practices, to have these hard practices, because a lot of the last, I would say week and a half has been walkthroughs, a preseason game, a travel day, a player's day off. It's been a little bit since we've had something to kind of put our arms around and say, all right, this is what is going on. Uh, By the way, Kevin Seifert reported about TJ Hawkinson that he's had this inner ear infection that has kind of thrown off his equilibrium or something a little bit. So hopefully that's not a long-term problem. Seems like he's coming back from it, but on a daily basis, we've sort of been wondering kind of what's going on there with TJ Hawkinson. Why isn't he back to fully practicing? So that's what's going on. I'll be curious to see in part, just, who is back because they've been dealing with some injuries, taking some guys slow, a lot of, well, that's precautionary. That's precautionary, but this is not a week to be overly precautionary when a lot of guys need to, I think, take the next major step of training camp. So they're practicing against the Tennessee Titans, which of course, what else would I be asking Jonathan other than about the Tennessee Titans and your favorite Tennessee Titans of all time. Now, let me make this distinction. This is Tennessee Titans. This is not Houston Oilers to me. And I know they're going to wear those jerseys and those jerseys are incredible and they're beautiful and they're wonderful, but That's not Houston. In my mind, it's not Houston. It's as much Houston as the Indianapolis Colts are the Baltimore Colts. Like, I don't know. I just, I just, I can't really make that connection for me. At least it was the same jerseys from Baltimore Colts to Indianapolis, totally different jerseys, Tennessee, just not the same from the classic Houston organization. So I am only talking about Tennessee Titans. Let's start off the show talking about some Titans. Who's your favorite three Titans ever? 
Well, first off, what's holding them back from going back to the Oilers name? Is this like a Minnesota North Star situation where it's just kind of up in the air and no one really wants to pull the trigger, even though everybody says and everybody knows this is a better that's a better name and a better jersey combination? And and who are we to care about like team names and how they fit the area? Because we have the Los Angeles Lakers. There's not really lakes in Los Angeles. We have the Utah Jazz when they used to be from New Orleans. Like, are we? Are we really that concerned about them not really finding a lot of oil in Tennessee that we can't call them the ten- the Tennessee Oilers at this point? Like, just go back to Look the names. Oil in Tennessee. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's a good it's a good point, and I don't know, but it probably is a North Stars type of thing. Yet they're going to be able to wear these throwbacks, so why can't they just? And there's just already another it. team in Houston being the Houston Texans when they should have just been the Houston Oilers and oh. they should have just returned as the Oilers with those jerseys. I don't understand you national football league. <laughs> if, if Roger and I ever have a conversation, I'm going to ask him about kickoffs. What's the deal there? Are we getting the XFL kickoff? And I'm going to ask him about this whole thing. Why did you bring him back as the Texans? And why did it have to be red, white, and blue? Just so corny and bad with the jerseys. Not the point, Jonathan. Three favorite Titans. Uh, Three favorite Titans. All right, I'll start off with a fullback because I know you love fullbacks. I'm going Lorenzo Neal. And then I'm going to go somewhere else here, which I know you'll love this answer. Lorenzo Neal, Frank Wycheck, and Kevin Dyson. Why would you do this? Why would you do this? I, I I give so much to you, Jonathan. I mostly take, but I give, and you come in with the Music City Miracle guys. I got Why? so excited when I you do? sent. I got so excited when I you do? sent this question. I'm like, there was three players on that play. He's asking for three favorite Titans. I've got to go with the Music City Miracle guys. I mean, it just fits. That's awful. Uh, was it was it Kevin Dyson who was just a couple of feet short of the goal line? Was that? Was it yeah. him? I, yep. I think it was. It's also huh? why he's one of my I, favorite Titans because I was in love with that that version of the Rams, and when he came up a couple few sh- feet short, I was a very overjoyed nine year old. When I say, I mean, I think that your picks, even though they were intentional to hurt me, <laughs> um, were that that was a great team. I, I mean, I liked that team. It was just a forward pass. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> but that team was really cool. I mean, the receivers that they had, Derek Mason, Kevin Dyson, uh, Steve McNair is obviously my number one Titan ever. Yeah. He's probably everyone's number one Titan ever, but Frank Wycheck was a great player. Lorenzo Neal. Think about, I mean, this guy blocked for LaDainian Tomlinson and Eddie George mm-hmm. in, in, in huge parts of their career. Doesn't get a whole lot of credit because he's a fullback, but you go back and watch the way the game was played. That dude was vital to their, their offenses. And, and so that was, you know, pretty big. Kevin Mawai was a part uh, of some of those great Tennessee Titans teams. Javon curse was probably oh, yeah. uh, a top three for me, the freak. And I remember in the Music City Miracle game, he was absolutely crushing a very mediocre Buffalo Bills offensive line and a quarterback who loved to get sacked in Rob Johnson. Uh, but they're, him and Daniil Hunter are the two guys that if you said, like, who are the biggest just monsters that you've ever seen that make no sense physically that, that yes. they are also human and I am human uh, is those two guys, Javon Kirsten, Daniil Hunter, Julius Peppers, like that, the super long, totally freaky defensive end. And for a little while, he was really good. I'll give you another one. Keith Bullock, 
That was a dude. That yes. was a guy who he was a violent player and really an important player to their defenses over the years. Uh, some some great Tennessee Titans uh, along the way. Eddie George, his a football life is absolutely worth watching. A really good player. I mean, if you want to go back to Oilers, of course, uh, and we are being informed that there is oil in Tennessee, so there's no issue. Go back to the name. I mean, it it truly does not matter to me if there is. But as you said, there's plenty of examples, and plus. A lot of teams are like Bearcats or whatever. Like, does does Cincinnati is it overrun with Bearcats? Like, probably <laughs> not, right? But um, there's, there's a lot of these names that are that way. But I appreciate the information that it would be at least correct to call them uh, the Oilers. But uh, a lot, uh, yeah, a lot of great all time. Of course, um, some journeyman quarterbacks there. Kerry Collins. The other day I was doing an immaculate grid and there was a Panthers slash Titans. There's like a crossover. And I thought I was real clever being like, oh yeah, Kerry Collins. I'm going to nail this one. And it was like 44%. Everyone thought <laughs> Kerry Collins. So I was not impressing anybody actually with that, but they had some strange times along the way. And I will tell you, I rooted for Vince Young to be great. I wanted that. I, I mean, you watched him in college and how incredible he was. And I think he just couldn't handle the pressure of the NFL, the expectations that were put on him and so forth coming out of college. But there were moments the guy was on the cover of Madden and made a pro bowl. Yep. Like there were moments with him and he had some big wins for them, including you talk about harassing the bills. Like he had one game where they came back from a bunch of points and he had a game winning drive. I would even put Vince young as a guy that I really, really enjoyed as a Tennessee Titan. So, I mean, even though they have horrendous jerseys and they stole the Houston Oilers and they cheated to win a playoff game, <laughs> it, it still, that's not their great players' fault. Um, so anyway, uh, feel free in the comments to drop more of these. Uh, Daniel's very similar to mine. Uh, Kevin Mawai. Um, uh, already we're getting the snark about Will Levis. But <laughs> it, hey, look, if they keep drafting guys with huge arms in the second and third round, maybe one of them will be good. I don't know. It's, uh, I saw Malik Willis is second on their depth chart right now, and I don't think he's going to be any good either, but uh, they might as well just keep taking those shots. So uh, continue to, to leave your favorite uh, Tennessee Titans. Um, but it is moving week indeed in these joint practices. So what I want to know from you, Jonathan, is who could move the most? And this can mean up or down for Vikings players on the depth chart, because I really think that even though it's only two practices and one preseason game, this is a massive part of the evaluation. Yeah, uh, I think for me, guys who can move up literally any of the court cornerbacks, and we that's the position group we've been talking about the most over this entire training camp uh, because there's just so much room and you don't know outside of Byron Murphy who's going to be starting there. Any of those cornerbacks can really solidify the, a starting spot within these next couple days because they're facing for, it seems, the first time this training camp outside of just other teammates. Uh, they're facing other NFL caliber talent and starting talent uh, when the Titans come into town and practice them. So I think this is a big week for any of those cornerbacks uh, Makai Blackman, Andrew Booth, the Caleb Evans, any of those guys on that cornerback spot, uh, any of those guys can really solidify a job this week um, if they perform well in practice and if they do well enough in the preseason game. But I think for the most part, it's can you go up against those guys, a very physical Tennessee Titans team? Can you go up against them in practice day in and day out and perform well and live up to expectations of what 
the defense is asking you to do and play well in those practices. So for me, the biggest movers and I guess fallers could be those cornerbacks, whether it's Andrew Booth, Kenny, uh, show that he has the talent and can he stay healthy enough to go up against some of these guys? Can a Caleb Evans and Makai Blackman keep impressing like they have been so far through training camp against other first teamers? The one-on-ones are something to see uh, for wide receivers versus corners. Uh, and I think that that plays into it as much or more than the 11-on-11s. And I like Sloth's nomination here with a strong repeat performance. Najee Thompson can go from CB9 to ST1. I think that they like the heck out of Najee Thompson as a special teamer that when guys make plays like they did the other night, this is the thing about special special teams is when someone makes a big special teams play, it's not easy to do like Matt Daniels brought this up and he did a whole breakdown as Matt Daniels does. And he was talking about how there's a lot of factors when you make a play like he did in that preseason game, where it's the angle that you got to come in, getting away from the defenders who are blocking you, making the tackle in the right spot. So to not get a targeting call, there's a lot that goes into it. And they were very impressed. And it just seems like that momentum is building for him to be the Dan Tresena or something that makes it as a special teamer. And they, there, was even Matthew Slater's name came up. He's been for a very long time with the New England Patriots. I like that nomination that he can uh, continue to grow in that position. Uh, Daniel asks, "It is a is it a make or break week for Ed Ingram if he has a bad joint practice or week? Do you see them pulling the trigger on Reisner?" I I don't want to go too far and say that yes, but maybe. I I, I think I would go maybe. Because the Tennessee does have good defensive linemen. If you go back to 2020 when Mm -hmm. they played Tennessee and they bashed the Vikings offensive lines face in, well, uh, they've still got some of those guys. And if he goes up against them and they struggle, where I really perked up was when Kevin O'Connell was talking about communication. Communication sounds like some sort of, I don't know, vague type of, well, you know, you need to communicate. Obviously you do. But in the NBA playing defense, And in the NFL playing offensive line, that communication stuff is half the job is I got to make sure I'm blocking the right dude. So when it's funny, because there was this debate of, well, did he have a good game? Did he not have a good game? Well, of course, you know, he made it's a preseason game and he's a starter. So he made some good plays and he looked good on some plays, but a communication error is still no less an error than if someone just beats you, you cannot have this happen. And if you're allowing one error every couple of plays on pass protection, it's a big, huge problem. And so I think that the communication part will be as big of anything because you have to get it. You have to understand where you're supposed to be and who you're supposed to be blocking. And it looked like last year that was a pretty big issue. So I guess I would say I do think it is a big week and he could move himself into a position of potentially being replaced. Uh, Ryan asks, with how easy it is for this staff has made it on Ingram to be the starter, why does it seem they've done the opposite with Lewis Seen? Cam Bynum stinks, same PFF grade as Ingram, but we act like he's good. Well, I, I, let's contextualize the grade, though, because Ingram was okay as a run blocker and one of the worst pass blockers in the entire NFL last year. And as bad of a run or as a pass blocker as we have seen, only slightly better than Dakota Dozier. 
So that's a little different from Cam Bynum and his overall PFF grade as a safety. And safeties are pretty tough to grade because of the limited number of plays that involve them. So if they're involved in coming up to run fill or a pass goes in their way, but the rest of the plays, probably a lot of throws that you don't see toward a safety, the coaching staff would grade because they know what the guy's supposed to do. But PFF is going to grade when it goes their way. So there is something to that. So I, I don't think that Cam Bynum stinks. I think Cam Bynum knows exactly how to play in any defense that you ask him to play. And his upside is more limited. I think Lewis seen in two years with two opportunities does not know what to do. That's what it's looked like. And so if you are a coach and you have an offensive lineman that you think is a few details away from being pretty good because of his upside, you're going to try to run that out there. I don't endorse it entirely, but I'm saying the coaching staff's thinking, but if you have a safety who doesn't know where they're supposed to be, you're just going to get throttled. I mean, that's, they're just going to take advantage of that all the time. And you saw the lack of conviction that scene was playing with, but do I feel like last year they should have played Chris Reed and or kept Jesse Davis just in case? Yeah, I do. I, I definitely do. Uh, Cortland Finnegan, a, a very violent player and uh, well known for his fight. Isn't it funny about football? Like if if there's a fight, an actual real fight in football between two guys, we remember it for 10 years yep. in hockey. They just let them fight all the time. And it's like, I, they should probably not do that anymore uh, with the hockey fight. Although it's basically, it's basically gone. But if you think about it, two guys push each other in the NFL. It's like, oh my gosh, throw them out of the game. Like, yeah. but it's probably for the better because if they let them just throw their helmets down and fight, that would be happening every five minutes. Um, uh, let's see who else has a chance to be a mover and shaker outside of the secondary. I would say that the Ivan Pace, Brian Asamoah, if Brian Asamoah is healthy this week, that's a battle in itself right there, Jonathan. Mm -hmm. I would also go anybody who is a backup on the defensive line and the depth wide receiver. So Tristan Jackson was back the other day, made a couple of really excellent catches in his first padded practice back from his injury. If he, if he shines, I think he could make the 53 if he plays really well in some of these joint practices over the next couple of weeks uh, and depth defensive line. It's not clear. Luigi Valane's been good. Is he ahead of Patrick Jones? There's opportunity there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like that suggestion of the depth wide receiver because you've seen them bring in Nikhil Harry and, and how he played against the Seahawks and, and clearly they're looking for other pieces outside of the top three that they have because they clearly know that they're going to need that later on in the season or as the season goes along, if they want to employ bigger or more wide receiver packages. So that that's a very interesting one because there's not, it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of opportunity for movement on the offensive side of the ball outside of maybe running back two in that battle. But right now with Kenny and Wangwu uh, just being gone, it just feels like Ty Chandler's got that spot locked up though. It doesn't feel like they are too high on him, especially with his, his pass blocking like you and Arif were talking about last night. Folks, late summer and fall are always a crazy time for me with football, and I have hardly any time for a good meal. I'm always finding myself in drive throughs and running around, 
But that is changing with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. They can help you just like they're helping me. Fuel up with fast, chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Refresh your healthy habits like I'm trying to do this summer without missing a beat. You could choose from 34 weekly flavor-packed, dietitian-approved meals ready to eat in two minutes, which is great for me because I'm always running out to football practice. Round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like our delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, potato and bacon, egg skillet. Uh, There's a lot of different stuff to choose from here. Easy wellness boost. You can even try their cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. This August, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash purple50 and use the code purple50 to get 50% off. That's code purple50 at factormeals.com slash purple50 for 50% off. Um, This is just such a roast thing that I have to put it on here and it's not personal, but the only moving that matters to me is Ed Ingram out of the state. Uh uh, Ahmed, my man, that was good. I mean, that's just good. You got to give credit where it's yep. due to the setup and the, I mean, it's very mean, but that's pretty funny, man. I appreciate that. Uh, so uh, 44 Rhino man says Vrabel always has a physical team. I really want to see what, uh, if this team is on par with the intensity and physicality, that is something that you only want so far it's yeah. like yes and no in a way i don't want them to be because you don't want anybody to get injured and that's what players worry about with these joint practices we love the joint practices because it's football and it looks the most like football of anything you're ever going to see in practice at the same time you don't want to see any sort of excessive battling to the point where they are getting hurt and getting banged up in these practices. And I think that players look at this, like these are as intense or more intense than the preseason games, especially if you're a starter and you're going rep after rep after rep. So Mm -hmm. yeah, to a point, but my experience watching it last year was that um, I thought that the Vikings were a little like, Whoa, San Francisco, you are on the aggressive side. And San Francisco, in my mind, has the same uh, mentality as the Tennessee Titans. So I think it's both a matter of intrigue and a matter of concern. (laughs) Like you don't want to see anybody get banged up in these practices, but I generally agree. They're going to have a physical defensive line. They're going to have physical wide receivers, physical cornerbacks, and the the Vikings will battle against that. Uh, Daniel says, if Naylor is still out, want to see separation between Rager and Powell. Um, Ken asks, are there refs at the joint practices? Yes, there are. Yeah, there are refs at actually all practices uh, that are 11 on 11 that where they're really ramping it up and being intense and they throw flags and stuff and they talk to the players. So yeah, they, they're always out there, but I'd like, what I'd like to see is Naylor back because Naylor has practiced, practiced, practiced one time the entire training camp so far. 
And it appears to be some sort of calf thing. I'm not reporting it is. It's just like lower leg, nagging. You kind of add that up. It doesn't seem like they're going to have to amputate. But at the same time, he's not able to get out there because there's concern about re-aggravation. And you don't want that either. But this is where I could see. I, I think... Over the years, Zimmer was probably pretty hard on injured players. Not probably as Sharif Floyd, like yeah. too hard on injured players. And he would just, he, he throttled a kicker once about being hurt. That was Riley, poor Riley Patterson who kicked a little in the league. He was like, yeah, well, he's going to have to man up, get out there. So I was like, whoa, okay. Like it's no reason to slam a kicker over this. They really need things going right for them. To, it's a violent motion. But the point just being that, uh, O'Connell's approach is, I think, very justifiable and they are at the peak of sports science. And I give it a ton of credit. I think it's been a massive culture factor for the Vikings, but there's still a part of me football person. Who's like, come on, bro. You got to get out there. Like, let's go. I mean, like, remember that rant that the guy from Cleveland went on on hard knocks where he was like, it's contagious, bro. It's contagious. I think he was ranting about guys not practicing because they were a little bit nicked up. And Jalen Naylor is a guy that I think needs to get out there and practice at some point soon. Not that I would like to see him uh, further aggravate whatever issue he's having, but to Dan, uh, to Daniel's point, Rager and Powell, I think Rager's a little ahead at this point and Powell has had a good camp, but I don't think you can keep both of those players. And at some point you're going to have to make a decision on that. Do you think Jonathan, they should keep five or six? Should they keep like the punt returners or just say, we don't need them because they're not good uh, receivers or should they keep Tristan Jackson? Like, I think there's a real debate between five or six. I would probably just keep five. And with, with what you have up top in that the top part of the 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 wide receiver depth chart with how how skilled the top of the depth chart is in the wide receiver i don't think you really need to keep that many considering all the questions you have elsewhere along the roster i would keep just 5 and allocate more of those roster spots elsewhere to where you're going where you know you're going to need depth you know you're going to need rotations where you're not going to have a whole lot of rotation in that wide receiver room yeah, that's a good point. And you can usually have these guys on the practice squad at wide receiver. Um, what about Bob says a fan of Nikhil Harry is a big weapon to account for in the red zone. You talk about moving week in a wide receiver that could use it. Nikhil Harry, he's got a chance here. He's a former first rounder. He is a very large human being uh, for a wide receiver. And you could kind of see the lack of burst as the reason why he did not make it in the NFL. doesn't have that quick twitch separating ability, but uh, he's made some catches and I don't know. Like, I don't think that he's got much of a chance to make the 53 because Tristan Jackson's been so good. So if somebody actually does that steps up and takes that extra spot on the 53, it will probably be Tristan Jackson, but maybe Nikhil Harry can prove that he belongs on the practice squad. And he's a guy you trust. This is a big week for him. If he goes up against another team and it's going to be limited reps for somebody like that. So you got to make it count. But if he does, 
then there, you know, there, there might be something there for him making the team, but that's his, or, or at least staying on the practice squad. And that's as far as I could really go with Nikhil Harry at the moment. Uh, how about Asazia Tomowo? Does he have any chance to move up the depth chart? Yeah, that's a good one. A player we haven't really talked about at all. And that's because he hasn't really been taking second team reps or any, even even coming close to any first team reps until he does. It's not really worth discussing. I thought there was a little bit of a flash last year, just a little bit, but it hasn't come to fruition so far in this year's camp. And does he have a chance? Yeah. I mean that the defensive line depth, I think is wide open for anybody to take a step up. Mm-hmm. Jaquel and Roy is another guy who's been banged up. He's on, you know, on the sideline quite a bit. So he needs to kind of get back into the action here and give a chance. He's not getting cut, but get a chance to, to be you know, a rotational player on this defense, which I thought he might have a chance to from the outset of uh, training camp when he was with the second team. Um, let's see. Oh, wait, clicked on the wrong one. Oh, uh, Joshua says favorite Titans. No favorite Oilers. Yes. Fair enough. I respect that. The mm-hmm. only reason they get credibility is that they had Steve McNair, Ernest Givens, Haywood Jeffries, Drew Hill, of course, Chris Dunk. I mean, what, what a group of wide receivers um, are Jefferson, Osborne, Addison, and fill in wide receiver four better than that. Well, they have the better number one. There's no question that Justin Jefferson was better than those guys, but that is one of the best groups of wide receivers depth wise that. I can ever remember in the NFL. I mean, they they are part of the evidence for me coming on here over and over and over again and talking about like, Hey, we need another wide receiver. Don't you need another wide receiver? Would you like a wide receiver in the draft? Uh, and uh, they finally did it to get another wide receiver with Jordan Addison uh, to switch the topic a little bit, Jonathan. So Delvin cook signed and Ezekiel Elliott signed. Which one of them do you think will have more yards this season, Delvin Cook or Ezekiel Elliott? That's such a tough one because it seems like Zeke is going to vulture a lot of touchdowns away from from Andre Stevenson. It doesn't seem like over the past couple of years, Zeke Elliott's been the big change of play running back that he kind of was at the beginning of his career. So I don't know that he's going to be the the running back that – the Patriots rely on play in and play out down in and down out. Uh, that feels like it's going to be Ramondre Stevenson who had a pretty decent season for them last year. Uh, and then you look at what Dalvin cook, the situation Dalvin cook is in. Uh, they already have Brees hall with the New York jets, but we also saw how for the most part, Dalvin cook was very famine, famine feast. I know Vikings fans are very familiar with that saying after the years of Adrian Peterson, and he's no longer needed every down because of Brees hall being uh, eventually he'll come back from injury if he's not already back. Uh, but they already have Brees Hall there. He doesn't need to be every down back. So how well does that famine, famine feast play for Dalvin Cook if he's not in every play? I mean, that was part of the reason why he had some of those big plays is because he was in there every single play last season, essentially. And Alexander Madison really didn't get a whole lot of carries outside or outside of a couple games. Uh, so it it's very close for me who's going to get the more yards, but I think it's going to be Dalvin cook just edging it a little bit, but it's very close because it doesn't feel like either of those guys are being asked to be the down in and down out running backs that they were in their previous locations. Uh, because one, they're older two, they're farther along in their career and just three, the situations that they're coming into. I think that it is Dalvin cook 
and uh, he's going to have a, a bigger role to start in part because I think Aaron Rodgers respects him a lot, having seen the things that yeah. Delvin Cook did to the Packers. And I think Aaron Rodgers runs that football team and will put on the field who he wants on the field. And that's a fact. And I think he's going to trust Delvin Cook quite a bit. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, I'm not sure what his role is going to be. They gave him a little bit of money. It wasn't a massive amount of money. And Ramondre Stevenson is a good running back. I, I don't really, I mean, I guess they needed it. And I saw the Patriots reporters saying that their depth at running back was really terrible and this was a good move. But they also have a guy who was very, very good last year. That's the difference. Brees Hall was good. Uh, at, at the outset until he got hurt, but he is coming back from an injury. So at the beginning of the season, we may just see more Delvin cook and he ends up racking up some yards and then, you know, holding off Zeke Elliott to the end. The one thing you do get concerned about a little bit more with Delvin, of course, is the injuries than Ezekiel Elliott, who I don't think has had a significant history of injuries in his career. I don't, I don't know it as well as I know Delvin cooks, but it feels like he's uh, always out there. Uh, is this the week we figure out how they use the majority of the rest of the cap space? I don't know. Maybe. I, I mean, that's kind of the answer to a lot of those questions. Like, will they bring in Dalton Reisner? I don't know. I mean, they visited with him, so the door is open for that to happen. But there's also the extension element. Will they do an extension this week when they're having the joint practices? I don't know. Maybe that doesn't matter at all uh, to an extension because that's just between an agent and the general manager and, and front office. Uh, so th that has to weigh in. Are they going to get those extensions done? And that might be one thing that they're waiting for in consideration of signing people is if someone like Dalton Reisner wants a decent contract, and I mean like $5 million or more, then you might have to move a little money around if you're also planning on signing those extensions and using the cap space that you have right now. And that these things have to be factored in. So if they're on their way to any extensions, maybe you want to see how that plays out first and then uh, go back to that market. But the clock is kind of ticking here. So yeah, I think that this is a week where at the end of this week, at the end of the preseason game, they should make a call. Hey, are we doing this or not with a bunch of these free agents? Because they're still out there, but someone will probably sign them. I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, Kareem Hunt, Reisner, even Ron Darby, they've got good enough histories to add to somebody's team. Uh, Sloth says, if Tristan and Harry both are leaps and bounds above Rager and Powell, they will figure out something else at punt returner. Um, yeah, that is true. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Naylor was supposed to be in that competition and maybe could have made those guys irrelevant. When you trade for Jalen Rager, do you want him on the team? And I think, you know, Matt Daniels was a big advocate of his, but also they had Brandon Powell before. I think one of them makes the team. Uh, you want a competent punt returner. I don't know how huge it is in today's NFL, but I think you want somebody who catches the ball and has a chance to make a play. I just don't see Nikhil Harry as having an actual chance to make the team. But the fact that you can have veterans on the practice squad gives that a potential uh, for Nikhil Harry is at least, at least maybe make the, the team on the practice squad and then you know, see what happens there. Oh, that's right. Didn't mention that, that uh, the Vikings worked out Mike Davis today. What are the odds on Fournette being brought in next? <laughs> it's pretty clear that they aren't happy with the backup running back situation. It's very clear. 
And it's because they keep bringing in running backs. That's how it's clear. Uh, but also the way that they talk, who knows what Ken A. Wong Wu's health situation is. That's up in the air as well. Um, do, you, do you think, Jonathan, that they should just let this play out or that they should sign one of these backup running back guys? I would rather them use their cap space on the extensions and maybe signing Dalton Reisner uh, rather than bringing in another running back because obviously the importance of that position has gone down recently. Obviously, you still want someone who's able to do that job, and I feel like Alexander Madison's probably able to do that sufficiently enough. Would you want to give him spells and kind of give him breaks instead of having him be that every down back that Dalvin Cook was the last handful of years? Absolutely, but I don't think it's absolutely necessary that they bring in someone as a depth piece in that position. I would rather have them use their cap space. I mean, if you can fit it in, if you can find a way to fit in the extensions of Hawkinson and Jefferson and hopefully bring in, hopefully maybe bring in another offensive lineman to compete with or compete or take over at Ingram's spot, then yeah, absolutely. But I would rather them focus on other positions first than bringing in another running back because I think – they they'll be able to find a way to get by with that running back situation. Uh, but yeah, as you said, it's clearly obvious that they're not happy with how it's going right now behind Alexander Madison. Um, and I guess for me, the question to you is, are you surprised with how it seems they feel about that? Cause it felt like uh, with the way uh, Kevin O'Connell had talked about Ty Chandler and what we saw last year and how it seemed that those guys would fit in uh, to his offense. It felt like this was, that was going to be a very positive group. And so far, it has been anything but that outside of Alexander Madison. Yeah, you know, coming out of uh, OTAs and minicamp, I thought this was Ken A. Wongwu's big chance. Like, here you are, buddy. This is your shot. And then he gets hurt so quickly in the camp. It's very similar to Jalen Naylor, where suddenly you just don't see the guy. And they have issues with Ty Chandler picking up blitzes. That's very obviously what the problem is there. It's not his speed. It's not how quickly uh, he gets going or his physical nature as a runner. And we saw that the other night, very impressive to me, how physically he was running, not just like trying to juke everybody, but trying mm-hmm. to go through some people, which you want to see. But if you can't trust the guy in pass protection and a pass first offense, well, yeah. that's kind of an issue. Right. And I think that, Uh, from that perspective, they should just add a veteran and these veterans should not be very expensive. Uh, uh, maybe Kareem hunt is going to look at what these other two guys got and say, Hey, give that to me as well. He is a big notch down career wise in production from a Delvin cook and Ezekiel Elliott, how different he's actually as a running back at this moment. I don't know, but if he views himself as the same ballpark, then no, this is not going to happen. Maybe a Mike Davis says, I just want to play national football league football (laughs) and I will take $1 million to do so. Then, I mean, sign the guy up because we just don't know with Kenny Wong. There is a part of me in the back of my head that still says Kenny Wong. We shouldn't count him completely out and that he could be a good NFL running back potentially as like a spot guy, but he is just completely yet to prove that. And if you don't trust Chandler, then you're giving away that you're going to give the ball to Chandler every time he's in, if everybody knows that he doesn't pass block well. So I I do think that a veteran is the right move for them. It's just who and when, and maybe they liked what they saw from Mike Davis in his workout. But again, like if you want him to learn all the pass protection, you better like sign him because you need him here learning a playbook and learning how to play with your offense. 
Uh, Stephanie asks, uh, anyone know how our former players are doing in their new camps so far, Thielen or Kendricks? I've seen feature stories on Kendricks that he's exactly what the Chargers needed. I think that that's probably right. And maybe a better fit for his the, the defense than he was last year with Ed Donatel, although they have roots in the similar Fangio system. So I'm not entirely sure how he's going to play, but I think they needed a veteran presence out there. Haven't seen much on Thielen, or I, I know that they're talking up the Cleveland Browns defensive line with Tomlinson as being a huge part of that D line. I've seen Patrick Peterson in a few interviews. Yeah, it's a little weird. Uh, Jonathan's like, Oh yeah. Oh, well you watch a game. It's like, Oh, former Viking, a former Viking, a former Viking. That's what happens when you get rid of half your roster. Yeah. We're not used to that because when, when under the old regime, when we got rid of guys that there was reasons for it and you never really saw from them, they weren't really good enough to stick around here, which meant it seems like teams understood. Yeah. They're probably not good enough to stick around on our roster outside of maybe J Ron curse is the only one, but outside of that, it felt like over the past couple of years, you didn't really see former Vikings go to some places and be featured like they are now. But again, as you said, that's what happens when you get rid of a handful of starters like the Vikings did and uh, kind of cycle or recycle uh, through some of your, your uh, depth pieces here now. Um, Alex asks, uh, does Wong Wu, uh, we need, we, we all need to work on our spellings here for just pretty much everybody with these comments. Um, but no, I'm just I'm just picking on you, Alex. But uh, does he seem like a guy who could pass block? Seems slight in the frame. That's the thing about Kenny Wong Wong is he isn't like he's big, but he runs a four three two. It's wild. But that doesn't. Uh, but that's the thing. Barry Sanders was a great pass protector, and I'm old for bringing up Barry Sanders as a great pass protector. <laughs> but he was, and he wasn't very big. I don't think that, you know, who was actually really good at this that I saw the other day, former Viking pass protecting was Amir Abdullah. Amir Abdullah was not a very big guy, but man, could that guy, he's still in the league because he could pass protect and play special teams. And he was not very big. And I remember talking at camp to him about this. And he said that really for running backs is entirely mental. Every one of them is going to get steamrolled if they face somebody who's too big. It's right. not really so much size as it is. The uh, just knowing where you're supposed to be and then being able to get in their way, lay that block at least good enough. I mean, if you could stick the guy, of course, that's great. But I mean, Adrian Peterson is a good example of someone who could lift an 18 wheeler off the ground and <laughs> throw it. He was so strong, but he wasn't really a great pass protector. And that was in part just because of effort. And uh, because uh, of, of how much, you know, he paid attention to who was coming on the blitz. Yeah. I don't think he was as bad as sometimes we made it seem, but um, at least by the numbers, he was kind of average at it, but that's the point, right? Like he was huge. And, uh, so I think it's really comes down to, can you see where it's coming from? Can you lay the right technique? Cause if you can at least get in front of somebody, sometimes it's even just redirect them. Like there are different techniques of, are you helping off the edge? Are you jumping into a linebacker? Like all those things have a lot of different techniques. Uh, Joshua brings up an excellent blocker, Mo Williams, big Mo Williams guy. I, I really respect Mo Williams. Um, I've talked to him a couple of times for different stories, but he was a guy that just kind of grinded his way to having a career, had a good season or two, kick returner, special teams, did everything that, you know, you wanted him to do. And um, see, that's funny. 
Uh, Alex says nobody, and then of course he has a spelling issue here, but nobody's spelling Kenne uh, Wongwu's last name correctly. Not true. If I get if I if they're on the Vikings and I write their name a couple times, they're up here forever. Mm-hmm. I can write a Fadi Adenabo. Spelling it out loud is different, but I can write a Fadi Adenabo <laughs> a thousand times, like twenty years from now, I'll be like a Fadi Adenabo. Bang! Won't even right. have to think about it. Say like you can give me the most complicated name if I get it in here. I'll tell you the one that screwed with me was Trevor Simeon because one, I didn't write it many times because he's Trevor Simeon. But the other (laughs) thing is it was like I E E I or something like that. And that would Mm kind of mess with me a little bit, but yeah, the steel trap is exactly right. I think it's like the, 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 whatever you get it in your hands and then it just stays there. Anyway, this devolved into weird (laughs) places. So let's talk about this. Uh, this hot route. So this has to come up. Kyle Shanahan said some crazy stuff about Brock Purdy. Like he would have to fall into the melt. Yeah. He would have to melt into the earth. And then even if he was still moisture, he could come together and be the starter. If he had any solids that he could connect molecules to, I think it was something like that. It was very strange, but uh, making it extremely clear that, uh, unless there's some really crazy thing that happens injury wise to Brock Purdy, he's going to be the guy. Would you Jonathan trade a fourth round pick for Trey Lance? If you are the Minnesota Vikings, that's all you have to give up. They are so done with Trey Lance that they just call up the Vikings and they're like, do you just, can you just give us anything? We just want to be out from under this. He's, you know, we, we want to go with Brock Purdy Will you just take them? Would would you do it? Not for a fourth. No, I think that's still too high for a guy who's thrown what less than seven hundred passes from high school to the pros at this point in his career. I and clearly can't even beat out the the last pick in last year's draft for the starting spot when it seems like everything should be in his favor to do that. I don't. I don't think I'd trade a fourth. Maybe a fifth, and I still feel that might be a little high because of how everything is how he's kind of flamed out in San Francisco and how they moved on so quickly from a first round pick that they traded up to get, like they went out of their way to go up and get this guy and already they're moving on from him. That sends up a whole lot of red flags for me. And that's not like just the fact how they, how they're treating him throws up all the red flags. And that's not even looking at the fact that he's thrown less than 700 passes from high school to college to pros. There's just, it feels like the project status for Trey Lance is very long down or just a very long stretch to that becoming or coming through. And just, I don't know that any team is going to be able, is going to want to give up a fourth round pick or even a fifth round pick for something that they know they're going to have to put years and years into. And with him coming up on the end of his rookie contract here pretty soon, I don't know that teams are going to want to give up that much because you can still use, especially if the Vikings are looking for a quarterback next season and they want to trade a bunch of draft capital move up in the draft. Those fourth round picks are going to be, or the fourth round pick is going to be more valuable than than a fifth or a sixth or a seventh. So I, if if they're willing to go for something less, like a sixth or a seventh, then maybe. But I don't think I would trade a fourth or a fifth for him. Folks, we've got a bunch of sports teams here in town. And also for someone like myself, I always like to try to catch a ball game when I am traveling to cover football in a different city. But one of the problems is that tickets can be such a hassle. And buying tickets for your favorite events should not be as stressful as it is. Well, 
Game time is fast and easy, a great way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets with their best price guarantee so you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have at your event. They have flash deals on last-minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets for every type of sporting event in your area, images of the seat views, and the lowest price guarantee the lowest price guarantee and event cancellation protection as well. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning for months in advance. Who's got time for that? Game time has deals right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals for football, basketball, baseball, anything you're looking for. The game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section or row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So make sure you get those tickets today with game time, a no stress experience. Download the game time app, create an account and use the code insider for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem with the code INSIDER for $20 off. Download the Game Day app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It seems that they have a disdain for Trey Lance, which really does, yeah. makes you really wonder. And I'm trying to think maybe you can think of somebody here off the top of your head, but. Is there any quarterback in the last 10 years? Because I could go back a little. <laughs> Steve Young. Be like, yeah. look, guys, Steve Young was bad as a Tampa Bay Buck. What are you all talking about? Is there any quarterback in the last 10 years, though, who has flamed out so quickly to the point where they just never even did anything? Total failure to launch. And then they showed up and were pretty good. I mean, I, like even like Rich Gannon was a pretty good NFL starter for the Vikings. Like, you know, maybe the 15th best quarterback yeah. in the league, 20th. And then, so him showing up and being the MVP is pretty wild, but that's like 2002. Uh, it just does not happen. Vinny Testaverde, Vinny Testaverde was so horrendous when he started. I think he threw like 40 interceptions in a season. Oh, yes. okay. Kyle's got one. That's Gino Smith. One. Yep. Gino Smith is that guy. Does that make you think a little that Geno Smith just did that? He was horrible. He was right. horrible. I looked at this. I looked at this last year. I did an article about how, like, was there any signs that Geno Smith could be this good? And the answer was, oh, God, no. It was so bad. And does that change your mind a little? If if we we're a little further down into or further along in Trey Lance's career, I mean, this is what, year three or four for him? So right now, no, but if it's a, if it's a couple of spot or a couple of stops on the way, then maybe, yeah, then I, then I'll think maybe he has something there. There's something, there's some kind of bounce back story there, but right now I, it just doesn't feel like he's got that Geno Smith story in him because Geno was a starter for a couple of years and yeah, he wasn't good, but he actually had, he actually played week in and week out for a couple team for a couple of years, whereas Trey Lance just hasn't been able to do that since his junior year in high school, his senior year in high school, it's been so long for him since he's had a full season of play that it's just, I don't know. I just, I feel like his development has, has kind of been stunted a little bit because of how, how his career has gone. I mean, he had the COVID year in, in college and he decided to go into the NFL off of that, off of playing what the one, the one game. 
and just took his talents and, and the prospect status and was drafted really high because of it, but then he got injured and just hasn't been able to be on the field. So I don't know. It feels like that's a little bit different of a story than Geno Smith because Geno Smith started for a couple of years, whereas Trey Lance hasn't. Mm. Oh, wow. I can't believe I forgot the, the Oakley. Oh, yeah. That's a what have I been doing tonight? <laughs> They're over here. Okay. Yeah. Wow. What a mistake. Now it feels I'm like sorry. This, this just tells you uh, how my brain has been um, all over the place. <laughs> here i'm i'm sorry about that i for a topic such as this they should come on yeah now it is truly hot routes and i apologize um but yeah with uh trey lance i probably would give up a fourth round pick for him but the thing that would hold me back is not what i'm giving up because look do you want to go through the fourth round picks i was actually just looking i i mean the vikings fourth round picks I have smudged the heck out of these glasses, by the way. So I'm like having to hold them up to look. But the Vikings fourth round picks, can you think of one that's been great? I mean, okay, Stephon Diggs was a fifth. KJ Osborne was a fifth. But I don't think it's ever tragic if you're giving up a fourth for something. And maybe maybe Kyle Shanahan has had a grudge with the guy because maybe he was pressured to draft him. I don't know that, but I'm just, you know, you never know. Was he pressured to draft him? And that's why he has not really wanted to buy into him or is just Brock Purdy really a good NFL quarterback. I don't know. I was looking at the last 10 years of drafts and I could not find anyone other than Geno Smith who showed up later. And my God, did he show up a lot later? It was yeah. not like, Oh yeah, he failed. And then with the next team, he was great. It's Darnold. It's Josh Rosen. It's Tim Tebow. It's a, you know, a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah. Paxton Lynch just never played. And he showed up in these side leagues and was horrendous in those leagues. And he was a first round pick as well. Sometimes guys just stink. And, Mm -hmm. but the, the thing that would actually hold me back is probably the distraction element. Because that's going to be a big story. Oh, my gosh, they traded. They're looking for the future quarterback, you know, whatever. Uh, But there is just that little part in the back of my head that says, this guy has played no football. Now, you're using that against him. But I think if you're making one tiny little case, one tiny case, you're saying he's played no football. And if he did, maybe he could come along. And maybe there's an argument for Next, if you miss out on drafting a quarterback, you could be like, oh, that's why we got Trey Lance. More likely than not, though, you're just the Panthers trading for Darnold or the Dolphins trading for Josh Rosen. It's a total shot in the dark and probably completely unnecessary. Got to restart the show. Yeah, it is harder for me to see the comments. Uh, I would be more willing to, to listen to that argument that he hasn't played any football if it wasn't at the quarterback position. Because it is the hardest position in all of sports to play, and so much is asked of those guys, it that the fact that he has played no football concerns me so much that you're asking him to do this at the professional level, where even guys like Kirk Cousins have their moments where they struggle, and you're asking this guy to be a top a top ten pick and succeed on a level uh, on a team right now where he's at that has Super Bowl aspirations. That's that's dang near impossible. And then a team wants to trade for him and and bet their future on him. That's he, that's almost more pressure on him. So yeah, he just, the fact that he has played no football is a huge weight against him. If it was a different position, if it was like wide receiver or defensive line or something, I'm not taking anything away from those positions, but if it was a different position outside of quarterback, then I would be willing to listen to that argument, argument more. So, uh, 
it isn't really his fault that he hasn't played that much, but he probably right. needs a lot of development and you have to worry about the injury thing. I mean, if a guy yeah. gets injured this often, like, is that going to be just a problem all the time? Um, Ryan Tannehill's name brought up here and Tannehill it sort of falls into the same category as somebody who had his moments as mm-hmm. a Miami dolphin, got them to the playoffs, uh, had a couple of bad luck ACL injuries and you're right. The coaching did transform him. And and I guess I wouldn't entirely count it out with Trey Lance, but there is the part of, I think he's a couple of years into that rookie contract. Maybe I would just rather draft somebody else and, and yeah. who knows that could end up turning out to be a bad take. Someone should take a shot on him. I don't know if this Vikings team is the right team. I think you can make a philosophical argument that they are, because if you don't have a quarterback under contract, you should always be trying to take shots. So I I think I wouldn't want the distraction for a team that I believe can compete for the division, but maybe philosophically it's uh, the right thing to do. Uh, Alex asking, uh, let's say you're Ryan polls. What does uh, Justin Fields have to prove to stop you from drafting a quarterback next year? Is there a win total? It's hard to do the win total thing when I've never heard of any of their defensive linemen. And I refuse (laughs) to learn them. I refuse. (laughs) I've told Courtney this Courtney Cronin, who's covering the bears now. Like I'm not learning your defensive linemen until they make me learn them until they do something until they sack Kirk cousins. I'm not learning. it, And then, then I'll, I'll decide, but there's a bunch and they got a bunch of nobodies on defense. And that's pretty hard to, to win. Even if you have a good offense, but I think that if you are into the top 15 as a total offense, as the bears with Justin Fields, how you got there matters a lot less to me, but the price to play poker in the NFL, if you want to be a team that competes for a Super Bowl, is being in the top five in offense. If you're not in the top five, I think the Rams were maybe seventh and they had like this weird bad stretch. But if you're not in the top five and you go into the playoffs, I'm not ever going to believe that you can actually reach the Super Bowl because that just doesn't happen much anymore. So if they were to take a big step into the top 15, I would think, okay, maybe. Another year, more money invested, more playmakers. There's a chance here, but uh, you know that that is that's that might be steep for them. If it's not there, then I have to consider drafting a quarterback next year because if it's not there, they're going to be horrible. So that's another yeah. part of it uh, as well. Um, let's see. Matt asked, "Do you think that they will trade for a wide receiver or guard?" Seems like we have too many to keep. Um, or, or do you think, oh, oh, trade, trade a, like trade them out of here. Uh, oh, I see a wide receiver for a guard, not a wide receiver or a guard. Uh, I'll get this. I don't think that anyone is giving you a guard if they have one. That That's always the trouble, right? And sometimes this happens where it's a player for player. But I think the trouble is that they, most teams, if you've got a good depth guard, you're like, we're keeping our good depth guard. And I have liked Tristan Jackson in camp, but no one's saying we're going to give you a player for Tristan Jackson. That's not, it's just not how it usually works. So, I mean, I think that you could try to make some phone calls and see if it's like a depth guy for depth guy, but that just seems a little, seems a little unlikely, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the Vikings aren't the only team in the NFL with offensive line problems. That's a problem across the league. And so if you have a good offensive lineman, no matter what position it is, you're holding on to them and finding ways to keep them. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know that any team is going to give up any guys who they that, that a team feels can start for them. Uh, there's not 
there's not anybody anybody going to give up an offensive lineman who can start somewhere else for a depth wide receiver at most because you're not trading any of the top three for sure. And right. beyond that is just depth guys. So you're not going to get a starting guard for any of those guys that are still fighting for a position on this roster. Trade Osborne for a guard seems like an email I would have gotten like five years ago. <laughs> I, You know what? I, I will say we do these chats every night and they're so good. And you guys are so good. In the, since I started covering the league, football fans know so much more about football yeah. than they did. And I used to get the craziest stuff. I mean, <laughs> can we trade Treadwell for a starting guard? Can we, you know, like things like that. Just the, the wildest trades, the craziest ideas. And there is a part of me that misses that because m- most of you are so rational in the comments. So it's like, that's a thing I would say what you're saying. And, and so we they're like, well, yeah, I think we're having a conversation here and that's fun, but there's no, there's, there's a lot less like total psychotic. Why don't we, you know, trade this bust receiver for a first rounder or something. So um, anyway, yeah, no, Matt, always happy to answer anybody who asks questions on the show. I try to answer every single one. If I can, sometimes there's too many of you and I like lose the questions, but uh, this is a fun scenario from Jordan Niners lock up a playoff seed play for nothing. Trey Lance, uh, throws for five touchdowns. Dude, this is how the bills ended up with uh, Rob Johnson. He had an insane game for the Jacksonville Jaguars and the bills traded a first for him. And then he had an insane game against the Indianapolis Colts in week 17 before the Minneapolis or not the Minneapolis, the uh, music city miracle game where we started the show. Cause you hate me. And uh, <laughs> then they started him like Doug Flutie started the whole year. I mean, can you imagine this happening now? Yeah. Flutie started the whole year and then they benched him because Rob Johnson had a great week 17 game. And the owner said, we're, we're starting him. Wade when Phillips I was, was at um, Wade Phillips was at practice the other day and I saw Wes and I was like, that's so awesome that your dad's still coaching the XFL. And he was like, yeah, my dad's out here looking for players. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hey, right. And uh, so anyway, I, I was just saying to Wes, like, it's so awesome that he's still coaching the XFL, but the poor guy was forced to play Rob Johnson and you know, like who knows how history goes. If Doug Flutie starts that game, then we never would have had you sit, see like the, the butterfly flaps its wings. And then you got fired here tonight by me because you ranked the top three Titans as the players who were involved in the music city miracles. You never would happen. When I was looking up the players involved in the music city miracle on Wikipedia, the first, the first thing about the music city miracle was Doug Flutie and and the Rob Johnson uh, controversy was the first paragraph about that game. So it just, yeah, yep, it was, it was quite the controversy, but Rob never got his credit for actually leading an awesome comeback and uh, the game winning drive and just never got, that's how silly game winning drives are. He led a game winning <laughs> drive and they kicked it off short. And then it ends up being, a touchdown. Rob Johnson never got his credit for a playoff win and a game-winning drive there. Too bad. So anyway, uh, so the only other thing I uh, wrote down was uh, for tonight was just that someone asked the other night if I have changed my win total for the Vikings. I've stayed at 10. I'm not changing from 10. Based on what I've seen, there's been no injury or development that I think has uh, changed my mind. And um, that's where I'm at. Do you think, or or how about this? Why don't you talk me into changing my mind on the Vikings at 10 wins one way or the other, either, either way that you want. I think the easiest way to talk you out of it is 
that cornerback room. It's been the question all se- all off season long. If it's as bad as you know some some past Vikings cornerback rooms have been, um, I think in 2013 maybe one of their worst. If it's as bad as that season, or if it's if it's not if the defense isn't improved from what we saw last year, I don't know how much more you can ask this offense to do to keep carrying this team. Yes, they did it last year and they got by, but they also had a lot more veterans on that defense than they do this year. So you're asking a lot of young guys to install a new offense that hopefully will help them a lot better pressure the quarterback and just be a better defense overall. But if it doesn't work out, they're not going to be getting near 10 wins because they have one of the tougher schedules in the conference in division. So yeah, it's, it's all up to how that cornerback room and the, the, the secondary can do if they can be mediocre, then yeah, they can get towards, they can get closer to those 10 wins, but if they are bad and it's not good and they're bringing in uh, veteran free agent cornerbacks to try and just fill gaps and get them through the season, then they're not getting anywhere near 10 wins. Okay. This is a exactly correct point right now. I feel okay about where they're at based on what I've seen from Makai Blackman and mm-hmm. Caleb Evans, but if it's Jawan Williams and Andrew Booth jr. Yikes. I'm not, I'm not picking 10 wins for that. Uh, I, I do think secondary is the most determining factor because the 2021 defense had a good defensive line for half the season and they were still a bad defense mm-hmm. last year. They had two of the top 10 pressure guys in the league and Delvin Tomlinson and they're a bad defense. I think it always rests on the guys in the back end and how well you cover. And uh, right now I feel okay about it, but if it goes in a bad way, they're going to lose a lot of games. Okay. So you guys have really tried to ramp up the heat for me for hot routes. <laughs> uh, James Harden for Ole Udo it, here. You want to ever see something funny is if you see like a football player stand next to a basketball player. So when you watch James Harden, you go, Oh, he's a guard. He's like a, a you know, pretty big size guard. And then <laughs> he's as big as the offensive lineman. I mean, he's as tall. He's like six, six, in the NBA, you're like, oh, he's like a six-six guard, you know, not too yeah. bad or whatever. And then you see him in real life. Oh my God, he's huge! <laughs> and, like he's standing next to an offensive lineman, and they're looking each other in the face. And Harden is a little husky himself, so he probably weighs like 250, 260 pounds. It's so funny. Anthony Edwards would be like Daniil Hunter. He's like six-six, crazy wingspan. Like on the NBA court, he looks like a relatively average-sized guy. But um, I don't think they could pull off that trade. And honestly, I'd rather have Ole Udo. Yep. James Harden Same. is my least favorite basketball player. <laughs> I just cannot stand this guy. I just, he's the Aaron Rodgers of the NBA. That's if such a Rodgers good never won that, if he never won that Super Bowl, him and Kyrie Irving, just, just forget me with those guys would yep. never trade, wouldn't trade a third round pick for either one of them. I mean, Harden, maybe like five, six, seven years ago, obviously, when he was really great early in his career. But both of those guys have just turned into weirdos who I wouldn't want anywhere, anywhere near my team. I'll just have Ole Udo. I'll have offensive line depth rather than (laughs) one of the top scoring guards ever. Uh, What was the other? uh, There was some other crazy. Oh, here was, of course, this is a good one. And I used to get these. Adrian Peterson is a physical freak. Best shape of his life. Going for 3000 this year. (laughs) I... I wrote that the Vikings were right to move on from Adrian Peterson. It was like the least hot take of my life when they did. And I got a couple of emails from people. You would have thought that I had said the worst thing to them 
like just the Adrian Peterson single fan uh, fans were really wild. Uh, They were, they kind of reminded me of Derek Rose. Remember how Derek Rose had very strange and abusive fans. Same. Yes, absolutely. Um, So anyway, uh, I do want to see this. Why are you streaming instead of watching the uh, John Boyce history of the Vikings? I haven't seen any of it yet. I really like John Boyce's work. So that's worth checking out. It's just been camp for me. Like camp is camp is everything. It's like, if I didn't respond to your text message, family member camp, if I didn't <laughs> remember to do the read on the show, which I'm going to then uh, camp camp is the reason that's why. Um, remember when people said LeBron James could play tight end in the NFL, he, he might, he, yeah, he might. I, I mean, I think that when it comes to crossover sports stuff, there's very, very few I could ever be talked into. But one time Jalen Ramsey said, if he tried skating for two years and he did nothing but commit himself to skating, he could play hockey in the NHL. And I'm like, People lost their minds. I mean, you again, like you would have, you thought you said the worst thing, but I thought there is no athlete in the NHL like Jalen Ramsey. I don't know (laughs) if he could figure it. I mean, it's not like ice skating is right. It's not like there's a height requirements. Like if anyone says they could play in the NBA, they can't. Absolutely not. The dead last guy on the Clippers roster is a thousand times better than most, almost anybody in the NFL uh, playing basketball. So of course, no, you can't as basketball or as NFL players think they could play in the N- NBA, but an NBA player we've seen it though. We've seen like a Tony Gonzalez. We've seen basketball players become NFL players. Mm-hmm. We've seen players who didn't have much experience playing football find a way. So I don't know. I think LeBron is like the greatest athlete of a generation might have, if he had started playing football and only played football, been able to make a roster. There's also there's 32 teams, the third tight end. The Vikings have the best third tight end, according to Kevin O'Connell. <laughs> Most teams don't. So there's that. Could have found a way. Anyway, oh, yeah, the read. I forgot about the read. Uh, underdog fantasy, folks. This is the way. This is the way. So, like, I was just talking about training camp and how I am completely just taken over by training camp, writing features, doing these shows, everything else that the, nothing else in my life is getting done because of it. But you know what can be done is best ball drafts with underdog fantasy because they take like very short period of time. All you have to do is just draft on your phone with the awesome underdog fantasy app and you have a team. You don't have to manage the team. You don't have to go in and switch your lineups. You don't have to make trades. You do whatever. That's why best ball is so great. And so if you've heard people talking about best ball, that's all it is. Draft a team and then you've got a team. And you go forward and you can win prizes. And the best part to me is that I don't believe in myself at all when it comes to fantasy. I believe in myself in my good looks when I wear these sunglasses. But and the the jump shot and spelling Afadi Adenabo's name. I believe in myself for those things. Not when it comes to fantasy, but you don't have to because you can get in leagues that are relatively cheap, just a couple of bucks. And uh, if you want, you can go and use the sign-up code Purple Insider, and they will double your first deposit up to $100. This could get you in, I don't know, like 
10 leagues or something. If you put in a, uh, uh, well, is that excess? No, that's right. You could get in like 10 leagues and just be doing a bunch of drafts and then see what happens. If you put in your cash, they'll double your deposit of $10 or more. So you could try it at a very, very low price. It's a fun app and I've been toying around with it. It's been a good time with underdog fantasy. So yeah, give that a try folks. And, um, if you do that, it supports our show as well. So that's always good. We got kind of one of them deals with them. Anyway. Oh, that's right. Adrian Peterson tried the boxing crossover. That was horrible. Hey, now that's a sport you don't try. Don't try no. that. If if you're a, a running back in the NFL, do not think you can box. Nobody can box. You will get your face beat in. Should not do that. Just because so YouTube you streamers do it and do it mildly successfully doesn't mean everybody can. Yeah, the other thing is, podcasting man i mean it's just so it's so hard you got to be elite you got to look good you got to understand lighting which i don't still the lighting right. is anyway purple insider spelling bee give me one jonathan give me one i'll see if i can oh, spell man. it I'm i want to hear i want to hear i want to hear a fade denebo come on let's do it okay but i get to type it out it's i f e a d i o d e n I G B O. Never would have guessed the G in there. Yep. It's in there. <laughs> what else you got? Got anybody else? I want to do Doug, Doug Mankiewicz, but that's not in your repertoire here. No, so. no, I don't know that one. Yeah, I never covered him. <laughs> I would say put him in the comments, but you can't because <laughs> that's, then you'd be spelling their name. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> put it put it in the comments, but spell it wrong. No, that's the, now we're going too far. All right, you got to come up with at least like one or two more and see if I can get them. Can you do Oli Udo's longer no, first name? I have never tried. I've never written that. Yeah, <laughs> give it a shot. I can do, see how close you get. I could do. No, I actually don't even know his full last name. I've only ever written Oli, um, <laughs> but I can do Ken uh, Wangwu, which is K E N E N W A N G W U. Yeah. Double well, W U. I've typed like you said, I've typed that one enough in like SEO stuff for another job that I understand. Like as soon as I'm starting to type it, I know how to type it perfectly. Trying to say it out loud, I will fail every time. But typing it out, I can do it perfectly. Like like you said. Yeah, yeah. Alexander wanted Moritz Bowringer. I don't know if I ever wrote Moritz Bowringer because he was the 2016 draft pick. Yeah, I think he was in camp for 17, but the it it was it was over pretty quick. So Anyway, all right. Yes, we, when we've reached the point that we're spelling names at the end, but it was relevant to the show, then it's time to call it a night. But you know what? Tomorrow night, uh, we're going to be here and we are going to have a full breakdown of everything that happened in the Vikings joint practice. So I will go. I will take extensive notes and we will discuss it. Anyway, thanks everybody for coming. Thank you, Jonathan, uh, for your time. Really, really, really fun tonight, guys, as always. And we will catch you all later. Football.